of the living geek. Hey everyone, welcome to This Is Where It Gets Complicated, a Doctor Who magazine format podcast where we discuss different things from around the Doctor Who universe. We're currently in the middle of a wilderness year, so we're kind of uh, off the grid a bit. We're talking about stuff like Torchwood Season 1. We're doing our costume showdown semifinals and finals to find out who's the best dressed Doctor. And we'll also be talking about the Doctor Who audio play, The Holy Terror, from Big Finish Productions. Uh, that's a sixth Doctor story featuring, Fro- featuring Frobisher, the shape-shifting penguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, let me introduce my co-host here. We have Lauren's with us. Hello. Hey, Lauren. Hello. And we also have John is here. Ahoy, hoy. And I realized I didn't introduce myself, bad podcasting host. Uh, my name is Mike. And uh, so we'll be here with you for the next hour or so, uh, just going over the above topics. And we've gotten a little bit of Doctor Who news has leaked out since our last episode. Um, we know a little bit more about the Christmas special. It's going to be a superhero themed episode featuring Dr. Mysterio. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, the costume looks pretty crazy too i think i'm just more excited that we're getting a christmas special mm-hmm. it could be it could be anything anything it, and i would it, be stoked on it um uh, you know i kind of almost just want like a star wars christmas special now no, with doctor who no we don't want that disaster again you said anything it's true so, i did i take it back yeah but, but I, I mean imagine. i stand by it myself but yeah, I, I think if we had some big musical numbers, things like that, um, you know, just some silly skits, that could be pretty wonderful. But instead, I will happily take a superhero themed episode with Dr. Mysterio, uh, perhaps his sidekick, Dr. Mysterio Jr. Uh, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, you know, it looks good so far. We haven't seen much and that's kind of nice. I think I'm going to try to stay spoiler free for this one and uh, just go into it as cold as possible. That's very brave of you. Yeah, yeah, that is that is very brave. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that myself. I'm just so happy, so happy that Capaldi is is back. Oh man, why'd you have to say musical numbers? Now I'm picturing like a Twelfth Doctor musical episode. Hey, it could happen. I've I've seen video of of Peter Capaldi doing a little bit of a little bit of singing. He, he can do it. Yeah, he is a musician, so. Let's yep. uh let's All right, he was in a band with Craig Ferguson. How did I forget that? Yes, he was. Yeah. But... You know, and we could have a whole thing where we meet Nardal's family and they sing a musical number together <laughs> and, and they mm-hmm. talk about why Christmas is important to them. Yes. Uh yeah. I, I really want to see this happen. Apparently Dimensions in Time taught me nothing. Nope. Not a I'm thing. not familiar. Oh, someday soon you will be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dimensions in Time is the best worst thing ever to happen to Doctor Who, or worst best thing. It depends how you look at it. Um, No, so speaking of spoilers, we have another interesting uh, kind of scenario as we're all three Americans. Uh, Class will be debuting next weekend, which is going to be, I believe, October 22nd in the UK. It'll also be showing up in Canada same day or pretty soon after, I believe. And uh, we'll be getting it in the United States sometime in April. Ouch. Yeah. So it's going to be rough as we all try to avoid spoilers for the next six months like good children and, and just don't watch oh, yeah. it and don't seek it out anywhere. Definitely. Yeah, that's um, impossible <laughs> to avoid spoilers. 
for <laughs> six months. It's right. just impossible. You can't do it. Especially like we're not going to be able to follow um, like any of the like class accounts or like, I don't know. That just just seems like that... an odd move when um, Doctor Who started gaining popularity in America that they would air them both. They'd air Doctor Who on the same day. And now we got to wait longer and it, i don't know it just it's uh, just it, it doesn't make sense i feel like it's not fair because i mean mike said at the beginning of the podcast this is a wilderness season like they should at least give us the spin-off to hold us over like exactly. be kind to us don't you know you don't both, punish us further you've already <laughs> shown me peter capaldi in the class trailer this is give yeah, me more of on. him this is not cool yeah come on well it, it was a little before both of your times but i can tell you that uh during the eccleston year I almost said years again. And during the uh, David Tennant years, uh, I'm really not sure how many Americans, as far as like the hardcore Whovians, I'm not sure how many really waited for it to show up on Sci-Fi Channel or wherever it may have been at that time. So um, this is this is kind of giving me flashbacks to like 2005, 2006 <laughs> through that era. So, um, you know, I not not to say we're going to be bad. We're all going to be very good children. We will not watch it until April. Oh, of um, course. Right. Yeah. I'm sure Podcastica won't review the first episode until April. Yeah, and I'm sure I don't already have a podcast with Stephen Prescott of Madman of the Box podcast lined up for next weekend. Oh. I, all right. I, I, I See, I feel like I should now chime in with mine to like, and I've got such, no, I, I've got nothing, guys. I, I have, I have hey, you have no us. Class. You have us, okay? No, you I have you guys, so but I have much no class. Mike. Okay, well, thank you. you. Um, but yeah, so uh, that that's a situation that's coming up. Um, and then one more bit of news that's kind of come out over the last week or so is, um, well, we've known for a little while that they're going to be animating Power of the Daleks, the very first Patrick Troughton story. Yes. What we didn't know is they're going to be showing it on the big screen. Uh, Fathom Events, who've done some of the events in the past, uh, <sighs> they've done like a David Tennant two-parter. Of course, they did Day of the Doctor. Um, and then I think they did the season eight finale as well on the big screen. Um, they're going to be showing all two and a half hours of Power of the Daleks on the big screen. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so for those of you out there, check Fathom Events or check Fandango or whatever proprietary thing you want to use that should give me some money for saying their name. Um, <laughs> and the, you can see what it, where it's going to be. Unfortunately, uh, Bakersfield, where I'm from, uh, it does not have a showing for it. Oh. But I will also be flying back from Long Island to that same day. So uh, unless it's a flight option, I'm not going to get to see it that You're day. You're in flight movie today. Oh, that would be... Um like very unlikely but i'm pulling for you <laughs> seeing as one of my flights is about six hours on one leg of it uh yeah i'm gonna need something really like i'm gonna have to watch the war games or one of those really oh, long episodes from the old years yeah so but yeah so um we got long island who's up just around the corner within a few weeks here i think three or four weeks i've applied for some panels haven't heard one way or another yet so fingers oh. crossed i'll be on one of those or two of those or maybe four um but hopefully something at least and then uh, we had a little bit of news for Gallifrey today. Um, we saw that classic classic series companion Mark Strickson, who played Turlow, is going to be there. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, I don't have the list in front of me. We have a, a designer from the Philip Hinchcliffe years, which was like the early Tom Baker stuff, like the really creepy gothic stuff, um, as well as Philip Hinchcliffe, the producer from that era, like the showrunner is going to be there. So that's pretty cool. Um, artist Christopher Jones, who's kind of a staple at this point, but yes. it's always cool to see his name. He yeah. is... I talked to him, I want to say, two Gallifreys ago, and he is a very nice man and is, I think, he's, yeah, he's one of the best people there, in my opinion. 
I Dang. really like talking to him. So yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and you know, he's also involved with Young Justice. He did some of the comic yes. book series for that. Um, so if you're a fan of Young Justice as well as Doctor Who, that's doubly a reason to seek him out. Indeed. But he'll have some cool prints available as well as he's been doing the Third Doctor comic book series. Have either mm-hmm. of you had a chance to check that out yet? The Third I Doctor have comic? not, not yet. Nope, nope. Yeah, the the first issue is very cool. Um, and and I say this as somebody who's not a fan of the era, I really enjoyed the first comic. So, all right, I'm I will to see how that all shapes up. Excellent. You know, yeah, maybe I can come up to him at the convention and say, I hate this era of Doctor Who. I don't hate it, but <laughs> but you made me like it. So oh, I'm sure yeah. he would enjoy yeah, hearing open, that. Open with that for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always a nice way to put it. So then they kind of have that confused look on their face, like I don't know how to engage you now. You seem a hateful <laughs> person. Uh, <laughs> we're fans. That's what we do. But anyway, so um, is there any other kind of news or stuff that's come out recently? Any Doctor Who events in the near future you guys are involved with? Well, formerly known as Kamikaze, it's now the Los Angeles Comic Con is in two weeks. Yeah, that's that's a vaguely Doctor Who thing. If we want to make it a Doctor Who thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I haven't been able to figure if I'm going to be going to that one yet or not. I'm kind of hoping I'll make it. But with all the craziness over the next few weeks, I'm not sure if it'll work. So, yeah. Um, but we'll have to see. And then there's, um, so you've got also the madman with the boxes coming back. Um, yep. Well, we do. Well, I said next weekend, but we actually don't have it specifically planned, but we're going to do a class review, some type of class review. Nice. So yeah, I'm excited to get back into the quote unquote studio, um, with uh, Prescott. Good deal. Yeah. And John is always, you have podcastica running. Yeah. Um, you just did th- the three doctors. Yes. Um, very fun. I have seen that uh, serial before. It was just nice to revisit it and see Omega, or however they pronounced it. Omega. Oh, oh, Omega? Omega. 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 So uh, that's a uh, friend of the show, Nicole, from uh, the Terminus podcast. She likes to joke about, like, Omega. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like Omega. Like, like, the Ome- like the OMG thing. So yeah. I can't do it justice like she does. Um, but, yeah. and that's a fun one. And what, what story or what, what are you going to be tackling next for podcastica? Uh, we're going to be reviewing the companionless fourth doctor adventure, the deadly assassin. It was done by the director who did the mind robber, which is one we just reviewed. And I apparently loved how that was shot. So I just found this dude and picked another story he did. So you have no background, you have no idea what you're in for? No, I have no idea. Oh, I can't wait for this episode. <laughs> well, Just a shot in the dark. Yeah, it's uh you're you're going to have fun with that one. It is it is absolutely one of the ones that lives up to its positive reputation. Excellent. And uh, so now that I'm top of speaking of things living to their reputation, <laughs> oh I'm going to throw over to our uh segment for Torchwood which is called Everything Changes. Um, and if ever there was a time to call it Bloody Torchwood, this might be it. So now we'll take you to Everything Changes. The 21st century is when it all changes. So what is Torchwood anyway? Some kind of British intervention agency. We're separate from the government, outside the police, beyond the United Nations. You catch aliens for a living. You're an alien catcher. Caught any good aliens? Tons of them. That's a hell of a job. Bloody Torchwood. Okay, well, thanks and welcome to Everything Changes, our Torchwood review. We're up to the fourth episode of Torchwood now. Uh, the show is kind of settling in and finding its pace. 
Um, and this episode is written by Chris Chibnall, the future showrunner for uh, Doctor Who starting with season 11. It's directed by James Strong. And this one is called Cyberwoman. And uh, Cyberwoman is kind of one of the most famous or infamous episodes of Torchwood. I think John has seen it in the past and Lauren's coming to this fresh. So, uh, Lauren, why don't I throw it to you first and see what were your thoughts on Cyberwoman? <laughs> My goodness. There was a lot going on. A lot of crying. <laughs> A lot of uh, a lot of references to um, to episodes of Doctor Who as far as the Battle of Canary Wharf, which I really liked, and obviously the Cybermen we've seen a bunch in Doctor Who. I think that was pretty cool. Kind of weird that he like you know had his girlfriend like in the basement and no one else knew about it. I think that was kind of weird. Yeah. So with this one, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, we'll probably go into some pretty heavy spoilers. You might want to skip ahead ten to fifteen minutes, um, but. <laughs> But basically, we find out that um, our, our kind of support crew guy, Ianto Jones, who really hasn't been too heavily involved in anything yet, he's keeping a cyberwoman in the basement, a partially converted cyberwoman. Um, if you remember the Battle of Canary Wharf from the end of season two of Doctor Who, uh, the very sad Rose Leaves episode, um, it turns out she was partially converted. She was another member of the Torchwood team. And um, so before everything went crazy, all the cybermen and Daleks got sucked back into the portal she was halfway there. So in the meantime, he somehow managed to rig up a whole cyber conversion bed and keep her alive on life support. So he brings in a cybernetics doctor from Japan to try to fix her or make her human again. And of course, it's Torchwood. So anytime you try to mess with alien technology, things go terribly wrong. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, nobody knows that this cyber woman is living in the Torchwood basement all this time. Uh <laughs> so so i heard your laugh a few minutes ago john what how did you feel about this one on coming back to it guys if there's one thing i've learned throughout my entire life 33 <laughs> years on this earth it's that secrets don't make friends that's a good lesson to have learned <laughs> so um ianto my goodness I, man this is a tire fire this it was just <laughs> i couldn't even like believe that I had wiped this episode from my head, and then as soon as I started seeing stuff, I went, "Oh yeah, I r remember everything now. This is <laughs> this is not this is not good." Oh jeez! It, it, it there's just so much happening. This is the fourth episode, and as you said, we haven't seen really much of this character. He's literally the guy who orders pizza and mm -hmm. apparently makes and good coffee. Yeah, and cleans up the the torchwood area. That oh, that's the final scene of this insane yeah, thing. Like Him throwing throwing some trash away. You know. Oh my goodness! And he has like this crazy secret, and I I don't know. Just like I almost imagine like this is everything we hate about like how women superheroes are dressed nowadays. Oh my Jesus! Yeah, that cyber suit. <laughs> Could it could it have been more sexualized? It had, I probably could. I shouldn't. It had wish heels. that on anything. It had heels. She. I, she I had have, heels. I took notes when I was watching, and I said, "Why does Lisa have heels? She has cyber heels. Why? Why? It, it was just one more thing that wasn't completely converted. So <laughs> that, that's all. Okay, they were it cyber boots. They were cyber boots. Okay, <laughs> it would have been boots eventually. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, I don't it, buy that at all. <laughs> it's the design is so terrible. It's Ugh. yeah. I mean, it, it's just I mean, it's like a cyber bikini of sorts. 
but it's, kind uh, of like a battle armor thing. But basically, it's how much flesh can we get away with showing realistically? Yeah, what doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it makes total sense considering what it's supposed to be, which is a sexualized um, cyber woman yeah. getup. But when you think about Doomsday and like when we saw other females converted to Cybermen, they're genderless. Yes. So <laughs> way to totally not be consistent with the Cybermen that have already been set up in this universe. Just for the sake of having a slightly sexualized, you know, hot cyber chick. <laughs> well, you know, Ianto seems kind of like a little bit of a creep in this episode. So, you know, a maybe he was bit. doing his own upgrades in the meantime. Ooh. He is an insane person, and I cannot, <laughs> I cannot believe he's they're, they're like, you know what? People make mistakes. Let's let him stay and clean up this mess. Yeah, did he even like take a day off? Did we already say that Lisa was his girlfriend? Yeah, like, they were like super duper crazy, way too much in love. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, too, too I, I, I don't think they. I don't know if they were engaged, but they were definitely like very seriously dating to the point that uh, you know, he he's desperately in love and keeping this secret. Yeah, I don't know how how was he able to to do that to hide her for so long. I have no idea. Like that that mm. is the thing that makes absolutely no sense. How did he get all of the conversion unit down there? Why is it still mostly operational? That's my yeah. other question. Seriously, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that they did say that she kind of she gave him information on how to help. So so there was uh... that. That doesn't, that doesn't make it much better, but it's like, still. I think they're... don't bring true facts and logic into this. Okay, <laughs> okay, we don't need we don't need that kind of talk in this segment right now. I'm sorry. I, I no, I kid. I kid. Thank you. You're doing your well, job. Well, interestingly enough, like I actually enjoyed the first half of this episode, and I was going into it gritting my teeth, waiting for it to be terrible and terrible cyber uniform aside. And Ianto being a complete moron aside, <laughs> I thought there was some positive things about it. And that mainly comes from the Torchwood's team, Torchwood team's reaction when they actually start to see that there's a cyber woman in the basement. Or uh, more, more importantly, when they see that there's a cyber conversion bed. Yes. <laughs> that, like that was actually very well done, I thought, um, because Gwen has no idea what's going on. But Owen is just like, oh, no. No, mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of reminds me of that scene in, um, gosh, one of those, the, the fourth doctor story where they bring everybody together at the end of his era. Um, when there's that Dalek broadcast and you see Sarah Jane, just like hug and kiss her son. Oh, it, it was yes. kind of almost that level of emotion where it's just like, we're done. We're doomed. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that even Jack was completely panicked about this, um, you know, it's, it's that, well, he also had that same kind of reaction to the Daleks and that, that, uh, later episode from the David Tennant era. But I, I just kind of like the fact that they went into complete panic desperation mode. It did a lot to sell what was going on with the episode. Yeah, the fear was definitely palpable. Oh, yes. I think they, they definitely did a good job of, of making it feel like it was a very, very real threat. Yeah. And, and it did have something that was one of my favorite dark jokes that I've seen so far is when we see the converted doctor, uh, Dr. Tanizaki, after uh, his failed conversion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It basically looks like she just covered a, uh, shoved a couple of pipes in his face. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's clearly she's new at this. She's just figuring it out. It, and it was so, it was one of those things. I, I think it was meant to be terrifying, but I just laughed. <laughs> it, it just looked so ludicrous, and I just yeah. had to laugh at it. Mm -hmm. um, I've been watching too much Scream lately. Uh, but yeah, so there was that. I thought that was really good. Unfortunately, um, as as the lockdown proceeds, it gets more and more ludicrous. Oh yeah, it does. 
Can we talk about the Code 9 maneuvers, which was basically just Gwen standing there and not doing anything? (laughs) There were a a lot of protocols shouted at people in this episode, for sure. It's it's basically uh, like like they had a specific plan in case one of their team was hiding a cyber woman in the basement. (laughs) Oh, man. I also feel that he doesn't tell them about the murdered doctor there was absolutely no tie up for that story so he's just like down there did did he just you know keep that secret too did he learn his lesson was he open with the rest of the team about the dead body now in the basement i I forget if anybody else saw him or not that's a good question um you know i think we were supposed to dislike the doctor um because he was kind of he was kind of doing the kind of scheming sort of like oh imagine what i can do with all this cyber conversion equipment and uh, he was getting a little grabby. Yeah. yeah. With which, Lisa. Yes, he which was. Let's, let's put it this way. You, you want to experiment with alien technology, and you're getting a little grabby when you shouldn't be. This guy should have joined the Torchwood team. Oh, definitely. He should have <laughs> turned in his application. <laughs> I mean, at this point, he basically fits in with most of the characters we already have on the team. Man, you yeah. just nailed it. Yeah. For sure. So uh, as, as things proceed, um, of course, the the cyberwoman Lisa gets less and less emotional. Uh, she becomes more cold. She basically goes into robo-killer mode. Of course, Yanto is still doing the kind of like wishy-washy crying, wants to save her thing, even though... My God, of... he cried so much. He was crying a lot, and that's yeah. coming from me. <laughs> Guys, I cry... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think anybody who goes back and rewatches this, they're entitled to cry a little bit. So we also get to see um, Susie had a really cool device that before she died in the first episode, Susie had the little cool lockpick <laughs> device. So we got to see that. That made me really excited because Susie got to save the day somewhat. True. Um, yeah. 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 Before she. Yeah. Okay. But you know she, what? I she might... caused some carnage a while back. Not sure if you recall. You seem to be able to forgive her for that pretty quickly, Mike. Hey, compared to what a lot of this team has done, I, I think she's okay. I think he might be correct in this. I might start just <laughs> siding with this deceased oh. character. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're so... all cool with Susie now. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so we see uh, Tosh escapes, but she needs time to escape. Uh, which at which point Jack basically sacrifices himself a few times over uh, the cyber woman kills him and kills him again. <laughs> yeah. After the yeah. code nine maneuvers, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and then um, we also get to see a awkward scene where Owen and uh, oh, Owen and Gwen are in uh, the morgue, I guess it is, or some kind of like a little holding thing for dead bodies. And, uh, and uh, they kind of have a little awkward moment together. God, <sighs> Yeah, awkward moment being a forced makeout sesh when they're trying to be quiet because there's a cyber chick trying to kill them. What? Way to way to go, Owen. Way to choose your perfect moment where she God. can't like yell for help or say no. Uh... God, could you be more rapey? Oh wait, you were more rapey <laughs> in a few previous episodes ago. Yeah. That's how a... I feel about Owen. Well, yeah. here yep. Owen, he's, he's a guy. This is a well, guy on your television show. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. From 2005 um, or six, <laughs> what year is this? I forget. Uh, this would have been about 05, 06. Well, no, this would have been actually closer to 07 probably. Oh, right. Um, no, even November, closer to November now. November 2006. Mm-hmm. So uh, he should know better. And uh, it's gross. 
Um, but at least there's the phone call from uh, from Gwen's husband or Gwen's fiance. So. Mm-hmm. And he, what did he want her to? He's like, I'm drunk. Wife Can you swap. record wife swap? Wife swap. <laughs> Um, Which I think is actually referring to a TV show. Yes. Yes. We should clarify because with the characters on this show, he, everybody else would probably just be asking, do you want to wife swap? But yes. no, he was referring to a TV show called wife swap. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we get that. And um, I, I think it was Lauren was asking last time around if we were going to see the pterodactyl again soon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very important role the pterodactyl played. I'm yes. so excited. That the just, just, to, just to clarify, um, Jack sprayed barbecue sauce <laughs> on Lisa <laughs> to then mark her as food for the pet pterodactyl that lives in a cave just above the Torchwood base. Oh, and also plays basketball. Also, yes. yes. Okay, can I just point out? First of all, first of all. I really liked that the whole episode started off with them like goofing around, playing basketball, having fun. Clearly, no rules to this basketball game, but that's fine. <laughs> but when they showed a close up of the backboard, it said Torchwood on it. Wait, it like, did? The, I swear to God, go back and watch it. Oh my and God. It, it seriously, it was on the glass backboard. I'm like, this is the worst secret government organization <laughs> they have their own like it's it's so foolish to me i wonder where that i had to stop is. it i went back and i paused it i should have taken a picture i wonder where that backboard is now <laughs> i wonder where the pterodactyl is now yeah well he's uh, the pterodactyl is not good at um killing something it needed to do to survive way back when <laughs> well, I, I think it put a pretty good fight up at least i mean you know, she would have just snapped a human's neck. So good job, pterodactyl. She did this punch is a, it, though. a domesticated pterodactyl. Oh, right. We were watching the pterodactyl try to tear her apart. Yes. Good Lord. While covered in barbecue sauce. So this poor <laughs> Yanta, what an idiot, first of all. But he really did love her to an extreme amount. And then he's like watching, watching <laughs> her get, in theory, torn apart by a dinosaur. <laughs> It just doesn't, and he's just being held on this small thing, and he can't, like, jump off because he's going to die. So he's like, oh, I have no choice. Although he also didn't really fight too hard. Whatever. We can move on. Yeah. Okay. It is. It's a very good point. She did punch it, which I was very entertained by. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, so, so yeah. The episode, I mean, the conclusion, let's talk about the conclusion, where Lisa kills the pizza delivery girl. Oh, my goodness. And that implants her brain into the pizza delivery girl's brain and then uh, tells Yanto that she did it all for him and he's still not able to kill her. If you're listening at if you're listening at home right now and you haven't seen this episode, we're just improvising this entire story and we're all just doing yes and right now. Yes. We're just we're just continuing to you no. Know, Lauren is right. Yes, that was. Oh so, my God. Yes, the, the pizza delivery girl shows up and uh, Lisa transplants her brain into her. Which is something Cybermen don't do. They mm-hmm. they want to be upgraded. They don't want to be a human. But she did it anyway. And yeah. yeah. Can we yeah, actually for, talk uh, about? For what reason? Can we talk about the actual real problem here? I feel like that pizza was ordered at the beginning of the episode, and it was arriving like almost an hour later. Yeah, it's like, free, with, with right? That type of, with that type of service, why do they keep ordering from that pizza place? 
Maybe because it's always uh, free. Yeah, you know, I live a little ways out, so I don't have many options. I have like maybe two or three options. And a pizza place I'm not going to name that's doing a grilled cheese pizza right now. Um, it took them about an hour and ten minutes to get me a pizza the other day. Well, you can't, so. you can't rush pizza perfection, okay? Well, I order from Domino's, so I'm cool with not perfection. Guys, let's just talk about pizza for 15 minutes, can we? <laughs> Uh, we could. I'm actually on a quest right now to find the different pizza places in L.A. Crap. Because I always order from Domino's. I have a spreadsheet, and I document, like, date and what I got and what it was called. Oh, my God. I, I think from now on, when we have a bad episode of Torchwood, um, which is about a 50-50 shot, we <laughs> should just switch over to your pizza pizza adventures and see oh, how it's gone. Okay, so. uh, we'll do. Yeah. Perfect. So, uh well, we'll we'll kind of get to wrapping it up here, I think. But yes, so um, oh no, no, no. There's because yes, so she's she's put her body in the pizza delivery girl, and yes. of course, great stitch uh, job, by the way. Oh yes, yeah. Um, she's just gonna have to wear a lot of hats and headbands. I mean, that's and, fine. Um, Accessories, and then of course the entire Torchwood team comes in and sees this. And, <laughs> Owen being wishy-washy uh, just continues to – not sorry, Owen, not uh, – Ianto continues to be wishy-washy. And then in, in a scene that was just reminiscent, even though it came before, but it was reminiscent of Danger 5, we just see the whole lined-up team of Torchwood just open fire at once. Just, they, just uh, a firing squad, they, you know. Unload. It's basically like, well, you're not going to do it, so we're all going to do it in front of you. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I just want to make a supercut of that and Danger 5 together. Um, I need to learn how to make gifts so I can do that. But yes, so they just brutally mow down Lisa. Um, and Ianto continues to cry. You know, I but, don't remember Ianto being this terrible of a person. I just, but then again, it's Torchwood and literally everyone is terrible except for Captain Jack. And even Captain Jack sometimes. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, obviously you're both aware that Ianto is a character moving forward for quite a while. I, yes. mean, I mean, do you want to see any more stories with this character as we've seen so far? I mean, I'm fine if he just sticks to ordering pizza. <laughs> <laughs> he should you know? never be the centerpiece of any story ever again. No. I really... Ugh. I want to find hard, this hard pass. I want to find pass. the script to this and hit control F and just type cry or cries <laughs> and see how many times the word comes up in the script. Yeah. Or see if they were like, were they choices of the actor? Yes. Or was it in the script? <laughs> is the actor a bitch or is the character? I'm sorry. That was not oh. nice. That was oh. not nice. Okay. That's a very real laugh, so I no longer apologize for what I just said. Oh. So any any last thoughts on Cyberwoman? No. Um, sorry. <laughs> I think it was ridiculous and I'm I'm not done watching Torchwood, so it didn't it wasn't enough for me to suggest <laughs> we cancel this segment, so There you go. Okay. I'm <laughs> sure we're we're in it for the long haul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's that's good because we got a ways to go. So. We still have 3.75 seasons to go. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sticking this one out with us, everybody. Um, 
please do let us know on Twitter at Gets Complicated. That's at Gets Complicated. You have any thoughts on this episode? <laughs> um, I'm sure there are some fans out there. I know Yanto has a following, so maybe uh, maybe there's some people out there who still ship him and Lisa pretty hard. I don't know. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you. We'll switch over to our costume showdown segment. Oops, I'm wearing sand shoes. Oh, so you're my replacements. The dandy and the clown. It's what's on the inside that has The biggest crime against fashion since Lederhosen. What you want is something warm and sensible, something to wear well, something with a bit of style, and, and was style, you know. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the semi-final round, as well as we're going to skip to the finals afterwards, of our costume showdown segment. We've taken it from 16 different costumes or doctors down to final four now. And we're going to vote to see who is the best dressed doctor of all time. So starting it out, our first semifinal matchup, we have the fourth doctor versus the 11th doctor. So, uh, John, I'm going to give you the first vote in this round. Oh, boy. The bloodbath has begun. Hmm? I... (sighs) Very well documented. I love Eleven. I love his costumes. I love the variations. Tom Baker's costume is iconic, more so than, I guess, the bow tie and Fez would be with Eleven in modern day. Oh, boy. I'm... I gotta go with four. It's just... That's the... That's... Yeah. Gonna go with four. (laughs) Just a little bit too more, uh, a little bit too much as far as being uh, iconic. Yes, it so just he, he shines through. Okay, Lauren. You know, right off the bat, I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to have to give it to four. And that's because it is so iconic. And because anyone who isn't, anyone who isn't familiar with Doctor Who recognizes that he's the Doctor. So yeah. Yes, definitely. That, and I mean, I guess you could say the same thing with New Who. And a bow tie and a fez, but no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it to four, and that hurts me. But it hurts me too. Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't really hurt me that much. <laughs> hey, watch it. We're hurt over here. Okay? Yeah, yeah. S- sympathize, or at least fake it. Yeah, take the eleventh doctor and lock him up in your basement. <laughs> Whoa, what? Cry oh. about it. Oh, like okay. Yonto like in, in this. this and I get it. It's uh, I... yeah, reincor- reincorporation. I'm I'm bringing it back. Call <laughs> uh, back. So, uh, yeah, I, w- I would choose the fourth doctor as well. I do like the 11th doctor's various costumes. I think it's uh, for, for a costume that when I first saw it pictured, I was not on board with. Um, over time, I grew to really love everything from the kind of the tweed coat out through like the longer purple coats, things like that. But I, I just have to go with the fourth doctor, e- even aside from the scarf, uh, just some of the outfits with the longer trench coats, uh, the boots and everything. Just I. Yeah, he looks cool. Uh, I'm going with the fourth doctor. Not the that the vote matters at this point. No, it doesn't. But the hat. No. The hat. Oh, the hat, too. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was the first doctor to consistently wear a hat. One and two kind of both had hats or caps they would wear on rare occasion. But but four was the first to really wear the, the hat most of the time. Um, so, yeah, hat's a good point. Well, our other semifinal matchup is going to be the war doctor versus the first doctor. And Lauren, I'm going to let you uh, take the first pick on this one. Oh, boy. Okay. I think I'm going to have to give it to the war doctor. 
Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to get to the War Doctor because I just love the outfit. And even though, you know, it's not as iconic or recognizable, I mean, I guess it's the first Doctor. I mean, it was in how many episodes? One? One. Yeah. Uh, two-ish, I guess. If Are you we counting count, Night uh, of the Doctor? Na- yeah, name of the Doctor. Bit. Oh, right. Right. Yes. Uh, um. Okay. Yeah. War Doctor because I friggin' love it. I think it matches the character perfectly. And um. Yeah. That's that's it. Okay. One for the War Doctor, John. So just wrapping up the the three Doctors for Podcastica, we got to see the first Doctor a little bit, not full on costume because it was towards the the end of his life where he was not doing too well but i i appreciate that costume so much but man the war the war doctor costume is just it i mean he is the he lived through the time war he was the the war doctor and you can see that in the costume like he has been through some stuff it literally looks like he's been through mud and just terrible things and I also said something very clever about him in our very first episode, and I will never let that go. Remind us what the clever thing was. I said it. it the costume showed where he had been and where he was going to go. Oh man, I'm that was that's really good thing. I'm glad you're proud of that. <laughs> so I'm. I thank you. I am also going to say the War Doctor gets my vote. Okay. Well, the War Doctor will win this round with two votes, not oh. with three. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sticking with uh, kind of my reasoning from previous rounds. I, I love the first Doctor costume. I think it's very mysterious uh, because it's so anachronistic. I don't think you can look at it and pin it down to any one time frame or era. And in a period when the show still had a lot of mystery, where you didn't know who this character was, where he was from what he was running from or what he was running to. I, I like the mystery that that outfit brought for him. You knew he definitely was not from earth. He was not from our time, but you didn't know much more than that. And it really did set the tone for at least the next couple doctors. Um, and really there's bits of it through just about every costume, not all of them, but most of them. I, I, I still love that first costume and going into this tournament, I had no idea that I was going to be behind the first doctor this long. But the more I've thought about it and the further we've gotten into the competition, I, I love the first doctor costume completely. So so I'm very, very sad to see him knocked out of the final two, uh, but he has been voted out two to one. So this will take us to our final round now, which is the fourth doctor, the longest running doctor at seven years versus the war doctor, who's appeared in one episode and some change. <laughs> So, John, I think this is to you with the first vote this time. I mean, you look at it on paper and you go, oh, that's not that hard of a choice. In my mind, it's a little harder. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about the most iconic look for a doctor. And I have to go with I have to go with the fourth. I have to. Okay, it's where I stand. Lauren, your vote for this final round. I also have to. I have to vote for four. <laughs> the, enthousi- the enthusiasm is killing me. It's you oh, guys sorry. are really excited. Um, it's a tough choice. It's tough. Yeah, I think we're just thrown by the toughness of the choice because yes. I think they're both fantastic costumes. I've seen many a cosplay. People do great jobs on them, and 
just the love for the war doctor as you said someone who appeared in an episode and some change is astounding to me kind of because he was he wasn't around that long mm-hmm. but yeah. he did he also served a very important role yes like, like very important you know he was the doctor for the time war yeah you know well and and kind of with looking back on it i I know i voted for him a few times throughout our tournament i don't have it in front of me so i can't say exactly what the matchups might have been the war doctor is a perfect costume for that character at that point in time which is to say he is a doctor who's not the doctor or at least he doesn't feel that he's the doctor yes I, I don't know that I would be able to see that that somebody in that costume going in adventures like uh, the mind robber city of death, the girl in the fireplace, mm. it, it wouldn't lend itself to those type of stories because he does. He looks like a warrior. He looks like somebody who's been through terrible things and is there to go through terrible things. If he was to show up for love and monsters or, or one of kind of the wacky fun episodes like Delta and the Bannerman, I, I don't think he would fit in. And he mm-hmm. shouldn't. I mean, that's the point of the character. Whereas the fourth doctor kind of has that match of otherworldliness where you see him and it's like, this guy is really eccentric and odd. Um, and then that encapsulates so much of what the doctor is about. Um, and I think you could take the fourth doctor and you can put him into most types of stories and he would fit in perfectly. The exception being is I can't see the fourth doctor running around on war torn Gallifrey. And that mm-hmm. shows why the war doctor costume is so perfect. Because really, I can't see most of the doctors running around war-torn Gallifrey. Um, it, it wouldn't fit. So I think it's an amazing costume. And even though I do believe the war doctor is a doctor, he deserves that title. He's not a doctor in the same way that other characters are the doctor. Out having fun adventures around the universe or going through all kinds of excitement and danger and what have you. He's very much a doctor for a specific cause at a specific time. And that really doesn't sound like I'm talking about his outfit at all, but that's <laughs> where I'm at with it. So I would also say the fourth doctor. So we're now after 15 matchups, uh, starting with our eight matchups and then uh, winding our way down. We have the fourth doctor is our costume showdown champion as the best dressed doctor. Uh, the war doctor is a close runner up, followed by the 11th doctor and the first doctor. Um, and then a whole mess of people after them as well. So, um, <laughs> so as we wrap this up, uh, any regrets or any thoughts looking back on it? Mm, I wonder if anyone would have looked at our original bracket and been like, oh, yeah, obviously four is going to win. I mm. almost feel like he would have been the obvious choice in most people's minds. But it was it was a struggle. I feel like there were some matchups for four that could have went either way. Mm-hmm. But even like saying that people looking at it would assume four, maybe that's just kind of more fuel to fire that he should have won. And he did. So good job. Yeah. I go. think as far as classic doctors go, he definitely would be the odds on favorite. But mm-hmm. with the newer doctors, um, I, I think that they also at least 10 and 11 are very strong candidates as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the war doctor costume is great. Seeing him make it to the finals is quite a surprise to me. Um, and, yeah, and honestly, the, the first doctor making it to the semifinals is something I never would have imagined happening. Mm. Yeah. So often when it comes to things like favorite doctors, things like that, the first doctor is always towards the bottom of the list. And it's not because people dislike him necessarily. It's just people aren't familiar with him. So 
Um, that's why to me, it's really cool to see him make it all the way to the, to the semifinals. So looking back offhand, would you say the fourth doctor is the best dressed doctor? Or is there another doctor that comes to mind immediately? Like where you're like, no, I changed my mind. If you're just randomly asking me and we didn't have any like brackets or anything, I would say 11. Okay. But you voted against 11. I did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The brackets. But the The brackets. brackets. The brackets and the justification and the conversations we have with ourselves. The brackets rule all. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you everybody for going through this little uh, four-month adventure with us through the costume showdown. Uh, we'll probably have some more costume showdown stuff in the near future. We're still kind of hammering out what that's going to be. Next episode, we'll have some more information on it for you. In the meantime, do go to our Twitter account at Gets Complicated and let us know what you think. Are we completely off base with our choices here? Uh, is there a doctor that we overlooked maybe and forgot to include in the list? Or do you just really, really think that the third doctor and his cool cape is the one that should have won? Um, <laughs> you're wrong. But uh, but if that's how you feel, let us know. At Gets Complicated on Twitter. Well, thank you both for uh, your votes and going through this adventure and all the really fun justifications we've had along the line. Alright everybody, welcome to Finish at the Finish, our monthly Big Finish uh, audio production review segment. This month uh, we did The Holy Terror, which is written by Robert Shearman and directed by Nicholas Pegg. It's a sixth Doctor adventure and it features Frobisher the Wifferdale Penguin, a shape-shifting penguin. Now, uh, Lauren did not get a chance to check this one out, so it's just going to be John and I for this segment. But, John, this was your recommendation for this one. So uh, what what made you want to talk about this one necessarily? All right. So the the first time the three of us ever did a podcast, it was on the Time Scoop podcast, which is to this day one of my favorite podcasts, even though it is lost somewhere in time and space. I believe the first time I heard the idea for that that podcast i in my mind said oh man i'm gonna draft frobisher and the reason i love frobisher so much is because this was actually my first introduction to frobisher was this audio uh the holy terror and it was recommended to me at one of the gallifreys where i just say here's all my money just take it and give me audio stuff i don't care And this was one of the recommendations. I'm like, I kind of want something that's a little light. And I wanted, I've heard about this Frobisher character. And she said, well, I don't know if this one's really, it's kind of light. (laughs) And I think that was actually the best description she could have given me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. This is the 14th Big Finish production as far as Doctor Who goes. So you figure this is still within the first year and a half or so that they're producing these audios. And it's one of the earliest ones that's really considered to be a classic as well. It's it's one that when you hear people talk about the best audios that have been done, Holy Terror comes up on the list. And it, it's definitely understandable about why. And it's interesting, too, because the month before they did a Seventh Doctor story that featured Bernice Summerfield, uh, who was from the New Adventure range. And then they turn around the next month and they take a character from the, uh, the Sixth Doctor comic strips in Frobisher. And they decide we're going to adapt him. We're going to actually have somebody voice the character. So... It could have been a really controversial choice. 
I'm not sure if it was at the time or not, if there was people who were just like, no penguins in my Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to me, I mean, this is the first time I've listened to it, as well as the first time I've heard Frobisher uh, as far as audio goes. So it, w- it was an interesting change of pace. You know, one of the things I think is interesting is that the sixth Doctor is usually known for being very kind of pompous and very loud. And having a shape-shifting penguin with a New York accent, in turn, tones down the Sixth Doctor. Yeah, and actually, now that you mention that, this could also be one of my first introductions to Colin Baker as well. I'm not sure if that is true, because I remember when I watched uh, The Twin Dilemma, and he... um, chokes Perry, I went, wait a minute, this isn't the guy who's hanging out with the penguin? <laughs> what is going sure. on? So, and I, I also feel like Colin Baker has also stated, like, I, th- I feel like my big finish audio doctor is where we were going to take the doctor. So, I mean, he still has, he's still kind of a jerk, but not really. It's, it's... It's toned down a lot. I really enjoyed him in this big finish. Yeah. Well, he's surrounded by not just Frobisher the Penguin, but he's surrounded by some very odd characters that almost feel like they're maybe out of a Monty Python sketch or something along those lines. So really, he seems like the voice of reason or the voice of normality amongst all sorts of craziness going on. (laughs) Um, Kind of trying to give a little bit of a synopsis for this story. Um Frobisher and the Doctor are kind of stranded in this bizarre castle. The the TARDIS basically goes on strike and pitches a fit and just shuts down. Um, so they know that they're trapped in this castle and they have to try to figure out what's going on and why they're there. In the meantime, what's going on is um, this society is led by a king who is also the god of the society. And the previous god, Pepin VI, died in the bath. Um, and <laughs> yes. that's not a spoiler. That happens at the start. So his son, Pepin VII, takes over as the regent god of the society. And in the meantime, his mother's condemned to death. Basically, anybody who worships the previous god, Pepin VI, is now considered a heretic because that's not god. There's a new god, Pepin VII. Yes. Um, and so basically all people have to do is just say, oh, no, I changed my mind. I now worship Pepin VII, and they're fine. Yeah, that for me, the opening scene in this audio is just – it's just brilliant. It's the – comedic timing's great it's it 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 gives you this feel of like oh man this is gonna be a fun adventure and boy let me tell you you're kind of right (laughs) kind of when it started out yeah i mean just the wit of the writing it was like robert holmes at his best or gareth roberts or some of uh douglas adams yes i mean some of the very best comedic writers we've had with the series um the dialogue just shined there's a point where the doctor and frobisher first come out of the tardis um and the the crowd of uh who are worshiping pep in the seventh yell it's a black and white penguin and a man wearing the coat with all the other colors. Yes. Um, and, and and there's just those little <laughs> lines like that that just they get peppered in. Um, there, there's so many comedic lines in that first probably 30 to 40 minutes. Yes. Um, that, that making a list would just be fruitless. You'd run out of paper immediately. 
it's it really feels like one of the funniest Doctor Who stories I've ever taken part in as far as listening or watching or reading or what have you. It's it's interesting because the society is very based on traditions. Yeah, um, it's it's people are very stuck in their ways and they're not willing to break out of those ways. No, not not at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of a little odd listening to this one right now during election season. Um, I probably won't go any deeper than that, but didn't just, plan uh, that. <laughs> yeah but it's just it's it's you listen to these characters and, and probably the biggest thing to point out is they don't have free will they've never had free oh no will. and uh so so part of the story becomes an interesting look at the idea of free will versus determination or or a god basically telling you what to do but you also see that characters have very predetermined fates based on their role whether it be the son of the king and queen or the the half son or what have you and you get the idea that the parents in this story really don't care for the children. No, like and, none of them do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what's very interesting is so uh, there's there's several different themes going on. But that one with the uh, as far as the whole uh, parents and children having the very tough relationship or, or no relationship at all. But so it's very interesting to hear it because it, it really develops um, just a very seriousness to the story that originally seemed comical. And I wasn't anticipating that whatsoever. Yeah, it gets real dark real fast, and it's almost like it's two different stories because at one point we, the Doctor and Frobisher kind of split up, and they're both on, one's on a wacky kind of adventure, and the other one is on this dark trail towards, um, we'll just say something. Yes. And the the way they manipulate audio towards the end is it's very unsettling. Yes. I think is the best way to put it, but it it is it's it's still great. It's still it's so good. Yeah, I mean it still blows my mind to think that this is only maybe the 14th adventure they've done. And they had a little bit of experience before these, but but even so that just some of the ways that they use the sound like you said, um it seems like there's a lot of sound throughout the first half or so of the play. And it gets progressively more and more quiet as things go on, um, as well as some of the character voice distortions we hear later uh, without saying too much. And um, the music as well. I mean, the music feels like something that could have been in a Sixth Doctor story. Yes. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of things I try to look at, too, is does this feel like it's something that could have fit into the era? And I don't know that this really fits like with the season 22, 23, what we actually saw on screen. But if you've read any of the comic books that came out like around that time or a little bit later, this absolutely fits in with like Voyager and some of the other uh, Doctor Who comics that were coming out at that time featuring Frobisher the Penguin. Yeah, I mean, I could see it fitting in with the 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 comic kind of era. I almost wish that in some alternate universe we could get this on screen. I don't know how. And it, you know what? I could almost see Capaldi doing an episode like this but we'd have to it have it would have to be frobisher it would have so nardal, to be. nardal wouldn't work for you no it would have to be a talking <laughs> penguin it's just okay. and i just i liked their um their dynamic too i just really yeah. enjoyed him as the companion with the sixth doctor and i had originally forgot that and then when i started listening to it again i went oh yes that's why i fell in love with this audio just because they make an odd team, but a, I feel like a good team. <laughs> it's it's interesting to see to to, to have those kind of characters who are maybe a little more obnoxious or a little more out there, 
because I think it does bring that good balance to Colin's doctor. I think that the audios have done quite a bit to, to kind of reclaim that character and to improve him. Um, I think for a lot of people, he's probably he and McGann are probably neck and neck as the two top audio doctors. Yeah. And rightfully so. I, you know, I mean, he just, you know, I mean, again, this is within the first year or so of doing these stories. I mean, he's just already nailing it completely. Oh, definitely. 100% agree. Yeah. So we had Robert Jezik played Frobisher. And so, well, I guess this was your first experience with Frobisher, right? Yes. Okay. See, it was very interesting to me because uh, having read some of the comics before, I had no idea he would have had a New York accent. I didn't either. But let me tell you, I was so happy. <laughs> Yeah. So so do you think uh, he's more of a Jets guy or a Bills guy? Well, he better be a Jets guy. I'll tell you that okay. much. Okay, fair enough. Unless, he, um, like, unless he's friends with my cousin, then he's probably a Bills guy. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> but at this point, right. he probably would want to be a bit. Anyway, no, let's just continue on. We're, yeah. We're... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we, we won't talk about football. One of the main characters, uh, Eugene Tacitus, who's the court scribe, um, is an amazing character. Uh, he's he's one of the best drawn characters throughout all of Doctor Who for me. Um, he's extremely witty at the start. Um, he kind of becomes the Doctor's pseudo companion throughout the story. Yeah. Um, and then there's kind of some surprises along the way with that character. So um, I, I, I just that was out of anything as I was listening. I just really appreciated that character very deeply. Great voice. Fantastic voice. Yeah. Uh, played by Sam Kelly, who's been in quite a bit of stuff, but I'm not sure too much that would really be stand out to any of us. But, you know, a very accomplished actor. So one thing that's interesting about the actor Sam Kelly, he was supposed to have a part in the, the episode Midnight featuring David Tennant's doctor. Um, I think that's the one, if I remember correctly, where they're stranded inside the little vessel yeah. on one of the planets. The diamond planet. Yeah. Yeah. So he was supposed to be in that. And uh, he was doing a play in the West End at the time and actually got hit by a car. Oh, no. Uh, so he was not able to do the episode, needless to stay. Oh, geez. And that's where they got um, one of Patrick Troughton's sons, I believe, to do it at that point. Oh, cool. So, well, so, yeah, I mean, kind he, of he cool. He was very close. <laughs> but unfortunately, he was not able to make it. Um, but just an interesting kind of fact with him. It was interesting. The actor who played Pepin the Seventh, the the new ruler, he kind of had a very nevishy quality, kind of very weak. But as he grew through the story, I, I actually really started to appreciate that character as well. Yeah. He, At first, he's kind of obnoxious and kind of comical. But yes, but there was actually some growth to where you grow to respect that character. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, and I I talk about this a lot on podcast about pacing and stuff like that. This um, maximized the minutes for sure. It's it's uh, two hours and 20 minute runtime and it didn't feel like any of that was wasted. Like it was all world building and progression of characters and well-timed bits. It was, yes, it was great. Yeah. And that's maybe one of the key things to bring up for people who are listening. Maybe if you haven't listened to a lot of Big Finish or or any Big Finish at all, is that the main range stories typically run within that. They're around two hours, maybe a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. Um, they kind of resemble the original series in that they're broken up into multiple chapters with cliffhangers. I mean, they do the opening credits, end credits, all that sort of stuff. Um, so just know, like, if you kind of checked out some of the other stuff, like uh, the Paul McGann stories or the David Tennant stories, those tend to be only like about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, they really just kind of like breeze by. Um, but if you're going to listen to one of these other stories, kind of um, there's two ways you can do it. I mean, if you're on a long car trip, a long commute or something like that, you can try to do it all in one go. 
But the other way to do it is just to say, like, I'm going to listen to this over the course of a week and maybe just listen to one of those 30 minute segments at a time. Turn it off, think on it and come back to it later. So have you ever tried that, John, or do you just kind of try to listen to it in one go? I am a marathoner, sir. And um, I just I'm like, let's do it. (laughs) Let's listen to all seven of these CDs. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm on the road for two or three hours a week for work minimum. Me going back and forth to different cities. And this week, I think I'm going to be on the road like 15, 16 hours. So uh, I I definitely marathon them for the most part. But on occasion, um, especially if there's one you're really, really looking forward to, breaking it out into chunks like that is actually a lot of fun. Um, I think I would try that. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same way with classic who as well. Just, you know, as if you've got the the episode on DVD or what have you is just to to not try to watch it all in one go is to watch it 30 minutes at a time. Think on it, come back to it, kind of digest the cliffhanger because, you know, the doctor's in danger and he's going to die. It's, you know, uh, terrible things are going to happen after that cliffhanger. <laughs> it's never the case. <laughs> yes. But I think it's one of the unique differences with the main range stories of which there's now over 200 is that you do get those built-in cliffhangers, which you don't get in the shorter stories. So it's kind of one advantage to them. Yeah. So, um, sorry, go ahead. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. So uh, any other thoughts as far as the Holy Terror goes? I think everyone should just take the time to find this audio, listen to it, and enjoy the greatest penguin of all time. Frobisher. Yes, John, I get it. I will make the time. <laughs> okay. No, come on. Look, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was two hours. I should have prepared. You don't have to rub it in. I wasn't rubbing it in. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> okay. I definitely, but, I'm I mean, in the future, it, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, good uh, thing you're like seven hours away or I'd come. Oh, uh, in the shoulder not like in the face. oh okay i mean either That's... way i probably deserve it no <laughs> oh if, man if you I... are, you're already so beaten down <laughs> if, if i had time i would come visit you not to punch you just to hang out because it's raining and we don't get that here so oh. yeah so so i would say with this one um you know again it's it's a great example of why colin baker's doctor is very underrated and he's really just excellent and uh if you're looking for a doctor to check out for the first time, again, uh, this this is, you know, you might want to start with one of the shorter episodes, but at the same time, it's it's a really great story. Just be kind of aware that it's funny in the first half, but by the second half, it's going to get pretty heavy. So, you know, without without spoiling anything, yeah, uh, just just know it takes a real sharp turn at some point. And the other thing again is, um, there are a lot of Doctor Who audios as far as Big Finish goes now up on Spotify. For those of you who already have a Spotify account, you know, you can go and check those out. You can do Spotify for free. You don't even have to pay to have an account. The catch is you're going to get commercials if you don't. And um, I haven't listened to it, so I'm not sure like how obnoxious those commercials get. Um, it might be like every 10 minutes. It might be every half hour. You know, if you haven't checked out Big Finish yet, look, I mean, there's almost 100 stories up there at this point. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch. Yeah. And I mean, you have some of the shorter Eighth Doctor stories. Um, you have some of the spinoffs like unit and countermeasures. Yeah, you've got the main range stories. So, yeah, I mean, take a look. And if you're looking for any recommendations, uh, you can hit us up at Gets Complicated on Twitter. We will be more than happy to give you some recommendations. A few of us have listened to a lot of Big Finish, and I know some of us are starting to get into it, but we will be happy to give you our opinions on it for sure. Yeah. So that's at Gets Complicated on Twitter. 
So uh, as we wrap things up here, um, Lauren, where can everybody find you online? At Bancroft on Instagram and Twitter. That's B-A-N-C-R-O-F-F-E-D. And also LaurenBancroft.com. Cool. John, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Team Hate, all one word. You can find me on Instagram, Team underscore hate, because some jerk took the other one. Mm. Yeah, I hate that. That is the worst. And you can find me, this podcast, and other podcasts on NOTLG.com. That's, yeah, there you go. Very cool. And thank you again to NOTLG.com for hosting our podcast. You know, have you thought about reaching out to that guy and seeing if he wants to team up to be like Team Hatier or Team Hatist? Or... <laughs> I have not. Um, I should check it out. It, yeah. it's, it, it might not be worth it. We could talk about <laughs> We could talk about me trying to change my Twitter handle for three hours, but I will not bore you on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Mike, where can we find you? I am at M.A. Solko. That's S-O-L-K-O on Twitter and Instagram. The whole team is at Gets Complicated, so you can reach out to us there. And maybe just keep an eye on at TimescoopCast as well. So just, you know, maybe take a look at that one in the near future. So, um, But that's about it for tonight. So thank you both for being here. It's been a lot of fun as always. Thank you for hosting. Yeah. Well, and to all of you listeners out there, you've been fantastic. But to be honest, so have we. Thanks. I'm not bound by BBC America, sir. All right, we made it. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> oh, uh, man. I, f- I feel like we were actually still kind of generous. Yeah. yeah, I think we were. Yeah, I believe we were. I, I could have lived with any of the other options. That's good. It's good to know that you wouldn't have killed yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> if anyone else would. My, my cats will do it for me. So. Oh, that's sweet. That's called murder, not... Murder cats. I was going to say, if cats kill somebody, is that really called murder? Or is that just, uh, I I don't know. The cutest death ever. Murder cats. Murder cats. They'll kill you. I'm going to nail it. It's going to be a TV show. And probably will uh, be at the end of the uh, song at the end of this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I I had a feeling. Uh, (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Oh, what? Nothing. of the living poop.